Welcome to episode 222 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We're recording November 12th, 2023. My name is not Eric. If he was here, he'd say I started a small preparedness company to get people prepared and able to look after themselves for at least long enough for me to know where they live and how to raid their supplies or something <laughs> like that. Uh, my name is Ian. I'm a uh, homesteader on Vancouver Island who has no idea how OPSEC works. And I'm Jeff. I'm based in central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, ham radio operator, general overall handyman, and weather nerd. And I'm Brad. I'm in central Ontario, part-time amateur prepper, constantly trying to better myself. Sorry. I'm Terry, live in sunny central Ontario, starving indie author, pathetic hunter, terrible fisherman, but a big fan of Jennerlink, which is the topic of the night. Right on. If you want to help support the show, embrace consumerism and buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the Tactical Velcro patch at prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on, the backup generator fueled, and help cover some of our podcast costs. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and submit a review on iTunes or whatever you may have found us on. And we seriously want your feedback, good or bad. Even if it's just a topic you want us to cover or something you learned this week, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right. Uh, well, dad jokes remain even though Eric's gone, so we have some high-powered content for you this episode. We're going to start off with some uh, relevant news. Update us uh, on our personal preps, and we'll get into the, the main topic, which is whole home generator setups. So the news, uh, well, for myself, a timely uh, enough news article 235,000 customers lost power uh, this uh, week in BC, actually right in Vancouver, um, during windstorm. I happen to be in it. And uh, yeah, it's a Star article. And supposedly, they're all back online now, but it was about two days without power for some of them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was unusual for here, because I mean, in Vancouver at least, all of the power lines are buried. So it's harder to have a power outage, I guess, just the substations and stuff. But yeah, I, I went outside and even my car was covered in branches and there was all sorts of damage on the road and everything else. It was, it was pretty pretty good witness. It was about 100 kilometers an hour or something like that. Um, yeah. So in that... Quite uh, flying weather. Yeah, pretty much. And I guess all the ferries were canceling and all of the stuff. So yeah, there's some pretty angry seas out there and all that. Um, and as a reminder for you guys, it's uh, 12 days to Black Friday for, you know, crack open the wallets and get ready to buy those prep supplies. I said that earlier in my household and nobody believed me. They're like, no, no, no. It was like that Thanksgiving or something. No, it's not. Not yet. It's mm -hmm. coming up. Coming up. Yep. Uh, another sort of half-related topic. Um, so uh, let me find out the exact uh, organization that this comes from. But basically, uh, it's uh, it comes from the U.S. It's... Um, obviously a government organization, but um, it's called the Winter Reliability Assessment Report, or WRA, and it's uh, a report by the North American Electrical Reliability Corporation. And basically what they're saying is uh, half of the U.S. grid uh, is at risk of going down if we have a significant cold and snowy winter. Um this isn't a new report. They've kind of more or less said that, but they're being a little bit more proactive about it this year after uh, what happened last year. I don't know if people remember uh, just before Christmas uh, last year, we had, uh, what was the name of that storm now? Uh, anyways, it, it, it knocked out a bunch of... Um, power and gas connections and all that over a lot of the eastern United States for a couple of days in the middle of a very cold snap. And so um, basically, the I'll, ju I'll just read a couple of quick comments. It says, power grid operators from Texas to New England are, quote, at risk of insufficient electrical supplies during peak winter conditions. Um, and it says the report uh, outlined the reliability of the bulk power system and the availability of fuel for natural gas fire generators uh, and said they're at risk during severe widespread cold snaps. So... Um, Wasn't Saskatchewan yeah. mentioned in that one too? 
actually, funny enough, um, Saskatchewan is the only area that is at an extreme high risk during extreme weather. So, uh, yeah, what they're, they're, they're every, everybody else is elevated and Saskatchewan only is at a high risk. So it's a good thing it never gets cold there. Yeah, no kidding. So <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I'll be honest. I didn't get into the nitty gritty of the report itself to find out why Saskatchewan was flagged as bad as it was, but it's, it's definitely, uh, at a red high risk. So if you're in Saskatchewan, yeah, this will be a timely episode for you. Yeah, actually, the coldest place I've ever experienced was not in the Northwest Territories. It was actually in Saskatchewan. And uh, I think I saw minus 52 there once. It was like, oh, oh. 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 Yeah. Not even shivers just thinking about that. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Oh, yeah. minus 52. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Phil mentions that I'm in disguise tonight. It's my Clark Kent classes. It's, it's, it's <laughs> never me at all. So. I saw that. Yeah. This is what happens when you get old. So. And my... Uh, my second uh, quick news blurb is a uh, state of emergency has been declared in Iceland over the threat of a volcano. Uh, basically, the long and short of the story is that uh, Iceland has had hundreds of small to medium-sized earthquakes over the last 48 to 72 hours, and they are detecting um, magma flowing underneath um, some cities, not that far below the surface. When I say not that far, like a couple kilometers, but for magma, that's, that's down there. So they are, <clears throat> they are of the opinion that they are, that a, a volcanic eruption is imminent and, and, and it's going to happen. And, um, the last time that, that they had one and it happened over, I believe it was 2011, if I'm not mistaken, or 2010. They had a they had a pretty bad volcano uh, erupt over that, and it cost the airline industry three billion dollars, and canceled over a hundred thousand flights because obviously, um, I mean, I'm not a pilot, but everybody says you can't just fly through volcanic ash. It's not good for planes and. Now you've got to go around and you, you throw into that. Now you're not allowed to fly over Russia and there's other places you're not allowed to fly over that uh, this could be, if it's an ongoing and large uh, volcanic eruption, it could be pretty serious for uh, for air travel for the next little bit. Yeah, they've actually uh, well, they've got a live stream going right now on YouTube with, with cameras actually pointing right out where they expect it to go off, which is kind of cool. You know, modern day uh, YouTube's, I guess, but um, yeah, it's up to a kilometer from the surface now. It's getting closer, and so they it's actually with fairly good reliability. They figure it's within a few hours now, and um, oh. yeah, so they're getting better. And yeah, God, I'm gonna pronounce this badly, but it's the Aya Hielafukul or whatever that one that went off in 2011. Um, yeah, that was big, and uh, yeah, volcanic ash isn't ash; it's actually glass. So when it uh, gets ingested by engines of any type especially like ones that get super hot, like uh, airplane turbines, they melt. And then behind where it cools off a bit, it turns into solid glass. And so basically within a few minutes, your engines are filled with solid glass. And that's the end of them. And, and then they don't done. run. And then you're a lawn dart. So, yeah. <laughs> so and you sure hope it glides along. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's bad news all around. So yeah, between the Russian airspace closures and Iranian airspace closures and North Atlantic that closes and... So on and so on. Yeah, we're running out of places to go. So and yeah. oh, is Israel airspace closes uh, closures right now? So yeah, it's yeah. kind of funny. Anyway, but yeah, uh, the problem says. Uh, don't you find it interesting that we're warned about cold, heat, volcano, tornado, anything to keep the people scared and under control? Well, yeah, fear is a good motivator for lots of stuff. Makes yeah. you accept all sorts of changes. Yeah. Anyways, on that note, uh, let's see here. Let's go to what we've done lately for preps. I uh, organized a lot in my living room, my kitchen today. Well, this weekend and today, getting ready for that dreaded Xmas season coming. Um, work, 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 lots more work. A uh, little bit of relaxing, more work, 
helped Pierre move a bunch of stuff of uh, he and Melissa's stuff from their old rental down to their new house and did a little uh, housewarming gathering whatnot yesterday. And today is uh, more of just a little bit of a relaxed day. That's it. Uh, I did uh, a little bit of cleanup from uh, a minor little storm that we had on Monday night. Uh, nothing big and outlandish, couple odd rumbles of thunder. Um, however, um, it caused a tree to come down on my residence. So it took out the corner of my garage, whipped down all of the, the soffit and the fascia and the eave trough and all that on the garage and plopped uh, the top part of the tree about the top six feet or so plopped onto my roof and ended up uh, causing putting a hole in my roof. Not very big, but enough that obviously water would leak in and so on. Um, I'm not sure if the tree got struck by lightning. Uh, like I said, it, it, it wasn't that windy. It wasn't. And the fact that the tree uh, split apart about 15 feet off the ground. Uh, there's still like a, like 15 feet of the trunk and then the top part of the tree come off. I don't know what happened. To be honest, I really don't care. I just want the insurance to come and do their job and I'm still waiting for them. It's been almost a week now. So um, they did come and put a tarp over it to stop any more water damage coming in, but that's all that's happened. So I'm not really doing much. That's what I pay them to do. That's what I pay my uh, outrageous insurance costs for is for them to come and do it. So uh, we'll just see what happens from there. Outside of that, I really haven't done much this week. Well, it was probably enough to keep you busy for sure. I mean, the funny thing about insurance too is they're going to try and run down the clock so you give up and say, oh, I'll take a smaller settlement if you just finish up faster, but they, uh, they're never going to try and lose money, right? So, yeah, just stand your ground. Yep. Anyway, um, as for myself, uh, brass prep. So I was actually trying to do some basic reloading there, and during my time away in Ontario, I put a bunch of brass together, and I realized I put like one container on top of another, and one container wasn't prepped and one was, but I just assumed it all was. So I started putting together some bullets and I did a chamber check on, on the, the little chamber gauge. And I realized I didn't even resize some of this stuff. <laughs> so I had to take a bunch apart. Anyway, um, so yeah, I've been uh, doing a lot more brass prep uh, to make sure it's all done. Um, so I'm reloading with bulk, like bulk 308, bulk ladder loads, uh, just trying to figure out uh, some new bullet types and various rifles, like the hunting rifle and stuff that I haven't gone hunting with this year. <laughs> Um, but I haven't even gone to the range to shoot them off yet, so i got to do some unloading probably next week uh, versus reloading. And see here, I did a pickup at Princess Auto. I'd ordered, uh, I think last episode I was on, I'd ordered those extra large ammo cans that were on sale. They were on clear out. And so you can see just to my right, uh, there's some large ammo cans sitting up against the fireplace there. And um, yeah, so I'm going to eventually try and get them over to the island, paint them up, and try and either resell them or use them for myself because they're watertight and they're big. So why not? Um, food inventory at the alternate location here. And uh, just dealt with the power outage and some wind damage. Um, oh, and I picked up some projectiles at Cabela's. That was it. As for me, well, I got my mobile bug out location, my RV, winterized, and uh, added a little bit more to the food stores. And uh, getting prepped for going deer hunting next week. And that's it for um, me. Do you use the RV for the deer hunting at all? or is it just No, no, not this year. I, I could, but this year, yeah, my friend invited me into this off-grid camp he has. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be luxury living. It's a pretty nice place he's got. Nice. Wood stove and all that? Oh, yes, yes. It's even got internet. <laughs> oh, oh, that's like, oh, oh, you're really roughing it, Terry. Yes. Really, we're really roughing it. Oh, he's got a nice, he's got a nice solar setup. And, and battery power and yeah it's it's great it's a it's a pretty good setup it's like hollywood hunting kind of like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome um all right well moving on to the main topic so before i go on too far um jeremy uh v in the live chat uh sounds like he's going to be a good resource for us tonight says he's probably handled well Handed the unit to Hydro One, 15 Jenner links in the trailer park around the corner, and about 200 Generacs in the last decade or so. So, um, yeah, more help us out. Yeah, help us out, Jeremy. If we give bad advice or 
say something that isn't accurate, by all means, uh, jump in and let us know what we what we're doing right or wrong. Or so. Um, so the we, we wanted to talk a bit about generators, types of generators, what's good, what's bad, the pros, the cons of everything, just to give people kind of a, a, an idea where they stand and and thought thought process, get the thought going and. Um, Terry can speak a little bit on Generlinks. He actually had one installed. Um, so, um, so what I'll, I'll kind of start with is basically the, the portable, um, versus, uh, what I call a gen set or a standalone. Um, the number one big issue is the cost, uh, for a couple thousand, you can get a portable generator as opposed to about 10K or even more potentially, depending on the size you want for a standalone um, generator. You know, they got to come in, they got to pour a pad, put the generator up, wire it all in, do all that. I've heard people getting quotes of ten to $12,000 to get it done. So um, that's that, that one thing is... Um, is a big issue for a lot of people. And I can understand that, especially with the cost of everything nowadays. So, well, um, actually, so I'd imagine like, I don't know for sure, but if it's attached like that to the house, I imagine it's considered part of the house. So unless you exclude it, when you sell the house, you probably have to leave it behind. I'm assuming, right? Actually, actually you do. Eric has one of those standalones at his house and it came with the house. You can't, you know, it's, you can't just pick it up and take it with you. It's, uh, you know, they weigh several hundred pounds, if not more. They're plumbed into your um, natural gas system and then wired directly into the house and into the panels. Yeah, it's it's once it's there, it's there. Yeah, so I guess that's the one benefit of like having a smaller gen set, even if it's on a trailer of some sort. It's at least you can take it with you, right? I've I've heard actually the opposite of that as well, Jeff. That if you have one and you're looking to sell your property, if you have it removed first, nobody knows it was there. That came straight from a realtor when I was looking for my house. Yeah, I think um, if you did before the listing started. Yeah, yeah sure. that it's, kind of thing. Or you put it in as, a, as one of the chattels that's not included in it and that you will make arrangements before possession is taken to remove it and rewire everything, then they have to know that they can't get it. But yes. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I I had one place that I looked at not too far away that came with a hookup on the outside. There was no generator there, but the um, the Reliance box like I have now and like you have, Jeff, was there, and they had it wired in. And I asked, Did it, does it include the generator as well? And the realtor had no idea what I was talking about to go with it. So I asked her, okay, well, where's, where's all the other information you're not showing me here on your listing? And there was nothing listed on it. So I knew, okay, I'd have to bring my own generator, but at least it was there. And that was a selling point to me. Yep. And so, Jeremy, again, brings up the good point, says they do raise the value of your house a fair bit if you want to sell it. And that's true. Absolutely. Um, yes. I'm not sure you'd get all of your money back, but you'd probably get a lot of it. Uh, because for a lot of people, that's that's a big selling feature. The you know the ability to have, have backup power. Um, as Ian mentioned, though, um, the issue is portability or lack thereof. Uh, a portable generator is just that. If you need to leave, you need to go somewhere, uh, maybe you have power, but uh, a friend, a relative, uh, a family member, the next town over doesn't, your generator is portable, throw it in your vehicle, take it over there, and um, and you're good to go. You can't do that, obviously, with a standalone. Um, Long extension cord. Yep. Um, one of the the main things, though, is uh, the portable generator does require you to be home uh, or have somebody close to the house you trust to start and connect the generator while a standalone uh, does that automatically. It senses the power outage and will fire itself up and start and stop automatically. Um, so that that. That can be good or bad, depends on, you know, how, how you want to look at it. Um, well, I think for, like you said, for the selling feature aspect, I mean, a lot of people just, they just want that fire and forget so that if the power goes out, they don't have to sit there and go outside in the middle of a snowstorm and fire anything up. They just, it just kind of comes on, or at least it's just a quick push button to turn it on versus, you know, 
uh, portable gensets sitting up one of those through the wall setups and everything else. It's probably just convenience for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. Yep. I mean, it, I have, it, it, they they have a lot of good good features. Um, unfortunately, portability is not one of them. But um, speaking on uh, going down to you know more the portable generator. I'll talk. Is um, they're all air cooled. Uh, your your standalones they're going to be um, water cooled, same as an engine in a car. Um, Portable generators are air-cooled, so think of your lawnmower. It's air-cooled, kind of the same motor. They're not designed to uh, run continuously for hours and hours and hours. Um, so unless you're needing to power something that has to run 24-7, um, for me, I anytime we've had a power outage and I've had to pull out the generator, I cycle it. I run it for an hour turn it off for four hours and that four hours, your fridge isn't going to, your, your food isn't going to spoil. Uh, stuff's not going to come unfrozen in your freezer. Um, all that stuff. Um, so the only exception to that would be if you've got a sump pump, um, the one, the one hour on four hours off may not be acceptable, but in that case, I would advise you to have some sort of a battery backup that still operates uh, and will run between the generator runs, AKA a backup for the backup. So, um, you know, and, and then when the generator's running, it will charge the battery and and still run the backup. Well, if you need that immediate backup for when you're downloading your latest uh, anime movie, you gotta make sure you got that UPS on your computer and stuff, right? Something like or that. The latest, or the latest episode of us. Okay, sure, yeah, do. I suppose, Why for not? those weirdos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Jerry mentions if you need, desperately need immediate backup power in a circuit or two and can't afford a standby gen by UPS and of course yeah they get those at Costco or whatever they're just basically a glorified battery with a with a charge mm -hmm. controller on it and, a, and an instant cutoff of, and you plug your computer through that and it works great yep absolutely he does yep. also mention most of the generics are air cooled so if you're uh, you're on to the 20,000 range for the generator with the liquid uh, unit on it which is yeah that's oh, that's a okay. lot of money, and I didn't know that they were air cooled like that. Yeah, I'm I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure when I looked at Eric's, his was water cooled, but I may be wrong. Well, um, his probably is, but it's just Eric. It's Eric, you know. He's yeah, he's yeah. One of those fat cats. Yeah, his his came up the house, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. So. Yes, it did. Yeah. So um, so a couple things in the live chat there. Um, for uh, RIP says that he had a Generlink installed last year, best 750 we they spent. Um, if you got it for 750, you did really, really, really well because they are certainly not 750 dollars. Um, I just actually found um, a guy that sells them. Uh, I'm probably going to purchase from him shortly. Uh, he does not install them, but he sells them, and I can get a 30 amp with a surge protector for 1400. So. I think that's a pretty good price, even if I have I, to pay somebody a couple hundred. If I have somebody to pay a couple of hundred dollars to install it, um, so be it. But yeah, he's he'll that that looks like the direction I'm going to go. So, um, but Terry, let's uh, let let's let's turn it over to you for a minute. Talk about your Generlink and your experience getting it installed and. Actually, here I just uh, mentioned. Yep, that's me. Is just asking what about noise? He says my three thousand Honda is very quiet, and the twelve thousand kilowatt Jenny is very noisy. Well, your three thousand watt Honda is probably an inverter generator. Uh, plus, it's made by Honda, so it's a quality product. Whereas the uh, the twelve thousand watts probably a screaming demon, as my my neighbor calls it, uh, which runs at like thirty six hundred RPM versus a lot lower. I think the the other ones, the inverters running around twelve hundred, so they're going to be naturally noisier. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the depends on the. The load they'll 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 go anywhere from 12 1300 up to about 2200 depends on depends on the load but you're right um if you have a 3000 honda that's in any inverter is very quiet because mm -hmm. you're you're only making 12 volt power you're not having to run a generator that makes 120 and then the inverter itself converts it to the 110 so yeah, it's they're they're incredibly quiet. I have one. It's not a Honda, but I I have a three thousand 
uh, inverter and I can stand and talk right beside it and you hardly hear it running. So yeah, we actually use our, um, the Honda for shearing day. So we can actually talk while we're running the, the, the generator out near when we're shearing the alpacas and it, you can talk over it. No problem, which is amazing when you think about and, it. And of course that, that all goes into depending what the situation is. Do you want to be heard? Do you not want to be heard? You can run your inverter and it's very quiet and your neighbors may not even know you have a generator going. You fire up that, uh, as you say, the screaming demon, everybody within a hundred miles knows that you have a generator. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but so I, I need the screaming demon for the uh, 240 volt for under the water pump. Like we were talking about, I think last session I was on, mm -hmm. um, cause yeah, my, my, my jet pump for the, the well is 220. So yeah, we need that. And uh, that's the only one that does that is the, is the big yellow beast. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you got your, uh, if you got your Generlink for 750 bucks, that's a pretty good deal. Eh? Even Jeff's, that's a good deal. Like ours costs us 1900 bucks installed. That's what it costs. Taxes included, but that's what it costs installed for a 30 watt, 30 watt system with, with no, uh, no surge protection. So, but what we did with our, we got a big 8,500 watt generator. So it's a, it's the big V8 version. It's a, it's a big honker, but I put it in a, a deck box, big deck box to help mitigate the noise problem. And I routed the exhaust in such a way that it helped keep it a little bit quieter as well. And I got to play around with it a bit because I'm going to, I'm going to try and insulate the box to maybe that will, uh, that will help keep some of the noise down, but you still need it open for airflow to keep the beast cool. So, you know, it's still not going to be that quiet. So yeah, we're a good ways off the road and it's behind the house, tucked in behind the garage. So, you know, that's going to, help keep the noise down. The location makes a big difference too, right? But anyway, it should be good. And it took them, uh, I, it took them less than 20 minutes to install this thing. It's quick and easy. And, and I would assume that if you uh, wanted to take it with you, you could, you could easy enough get the uh, hydro guys to come back in and, and pop it back off again. Now, I should probably shut up because my furnace is coming on. It's probably going to make a lot of background noise. So oh, that's okay. back to Jeff. All right. Uh, so I, I do have a question um, because I'm obviously looking at getting the um, the Generlink. So for for Jeremy to pipe up if he gets a sec, you said that you you know basically turned the thing over to Hydro One. Does Hydro One install them, or do I have to get a licensed uh, electrician to come in and do it? I guess that would be a would be something. Well, I'm Hydro One as well, and. RIP said he got to use it for the first time this past week. Hydro was out in his area, which is not that far from me. He's in uh, Dufferin County. Yeah, you guys had that ice storm. And he said he lost power for five hours. So um, glad everything worked for you. And uh, like like Terry says, if you spent $750, you got a, you got a deal. So um, Just a quick thing from uh, Dave Sherwood. He's saying, uh, I'm hoping you'll address the pros and cons of solar generators and inverters. Uh, well, solar generators aren't generators. They don't actually make anything, so they need an input. So whether it's you know grid power or solar or whatever, they, they're just a big battery with a, with a transformer on them. So, um, yeah, you charge up the battery pack however you want to do it with solar or grid or whatever, and then when the power goes out, they just, they just run off battery power through an inverter and give you the voltage you need. But um, they're great when you're, like, living in a van down by the river or small... <laughs> You know, hey, Van City Van Life, right? He's got like three subscribers. Yeah, that's what he does. He has a solar generator in there. Um, but every time he gets somewhere, he has to plug in his computer power pack and, and charge it up again. And um, yeah, I mean, they're great for small usage, but you can't run a fridge or, a, or an oil heater or anything off them. They're just not enough jam to them, right? So they're good for small uses. And I think they're, they're definitely quiet, which is great if you have a solar setup. But I mean, for any sort of large scale, like whole home thing, it's just never going to work. Yeah, and, and and I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm 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 a proponent of solar as well, and it's the it, not just quiet. It's absolutely there's no sound at all. But the initial cost outlay is pretty substantial. Um, I mean, you know, you you're buying your solar panels, uh, you're buying the inverter, and you're going to have to have batteries to store that power in when your grid goes down. That you know, there, there are such things as grid tie inverters where you kind of feed back any excess power back into the grid and technically you get a credit for it and all that, blah, blah, blah. But they have no um, 
no battery capacity. So when the grid goes down, you have no electricity. So, and the big thing, the big cost is, is in your batteries. Um, so 60 to 80% is in the batteries. If I'm not mistaken, the cost of solar. Yeah, I got, uh, Solar panels are all the cheap. You, can, you know, buck of water or better you can usually do for for the actual solar panels. But then by the time you throw in the inverters and the batteries and the charge controllers and everything else, it's gets pricey fast. But I mean, yeah. But I think he was talking about like the suitcase solar generators, like the like the um, oh, what's that brand name? Uh, Jackery. Um, yes. One of those Jackery makes a good one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's just not a large scale solution at all. Um, so, anyways, uh, Jerry Jeremy mentions that uh, Hydro One does install them, but you need a licensed electrical contactor for Hydro to do it. They're supposed to shut the power off, but they don't. But don't, so they do instead. We can't work on the meter live. I, and that's kind of what I figured. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, we had to have a, we had to have the electrician here to, to do that. Now, Hydro cut, Hydro would cut the power the electrician would install the general link and then hydro would turn the power back on. And they coordinated all back to, you know, nicely. So it, it was minutes just doing it. It didn't take long. Uh, you might, might get a hydro guy to do it, but you know, he's not supposed to. Right. Uh, that's my understanding as uh as if the supervisors or probably union would likely not let them do it because technically you should have the power shut off or you're, you're yes. playing with a live box there. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I looked after our last show, I looked on Hydro One's website, looked around for quite some time to try to find how I could go about asking them if they did that sort of thing. And I couldn't find anything like that. I had to leave a message that was only on Thursday, I think. I haven't I haven't heard anything back from them as to uh, my question to them. And I've, uh, heard, uh, I've heard the brand names Generlink and Generac. Are they just different brand names or those different type of setups? Uh, General Link is the unit that goes on your meter, yeah. And that uh, you plug your your portable generator into it. And Generac is the standalone. Uh, it, it's okay. a brand name of standalone because Briggs and Stratton makes one. There's probably a few others that do, but Generac's kind of the household name that uh, that does them. Um, the the question the fellow had about the the portable, you know, the little portable solar units was, I looked into those quite a bit. For my for my trailer because I thought that's something that I thought might be a feasible thing for the trailer. You know, it doesn't take a lot of juice, and I just got to run a small furnace and so on. And and I, I haven't got to the point that I want to buy one yet. But uh, you know, you're looking at a lot of a lot of money, and uh, once that battery goes dead, then it, it's going to take some time to charge it. And if it's off grid and you've got no power, then you're going to be relying on solar, and the solar panels are are a lot of money, as you can imagine. So, you know, that depends on how quickly you can charge it is based on how many solar panels and then providing you got sun, you know, so if you're, if you're, uh, if you're living in your, your off grid system and you uh, plug everything into that, it's, uh, it, you're going to deplete that battery pretty quick and have no way to charge it back up again without a gas generator. So, uh, you know, there's the, the pros and cons to the, to the battery, the little solar battery units there. I don't know. If I don't know if I'd want to gamble on it. Like, like we've had our power out for thirty-six hours sometimes, and there's no way it's going to last that long. No way, unless you have a means of charging it back up again. Yeah, agreed. And so Jeremy, yeah, Jeremy says there that he ran his trailer off of a two fifty watts of solar and a propane tank with one battery for a few days. It's doable. Yeah, but. Not comfortable. It's only, a, it's only a few days, right? So, I, I mean, don't, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I just kind of agree with Terry. It, it's, to me, it's more, and, and, yep, that's me says the same thing that it's more of a supplement than wanting to rely on it for your total, um, your total go at it. But, I mean, everybody's different, and I'm, I'm not. I'm certainly not going to tell or give advice on people as to what way they should go. We just give you ideas and and you take off and run with it. So, um, so actually, anyways, once these generacs get fired up during a power outage here, and uh, assuming you're not on an independent like propane supply of your own, and you're hooked into the city uh, natural gas grid, assuming you're in in the city, um, I've heard anywhere 
depends on who you talk to, anywhere from like two days to two weeks of natural gas supply based on what's in the accumulators, depending on neighborhood usage and stuff. Have you guys heard any like firmer numbers than that or anything else? Well, or? you did, you 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 are one paragraph ahead of me. I was just about oh, to get yeah. onto that. So uh, no, that's okay. Um, so uh, let's talk about that then. Let's talk about fuel. So neither one of them is going to work without fuel. So if if your generator is gas or um, my my the one generator I have, obviously I have more than one, uh, is a dual fuel. It is a propane and a natural or a, and a gasoline. Um, you just need to make sure that you have enough gas in stock for at least several days of running. Um, that's one of the other reasons why I, I run the cycle system with my generator. Like I say, an hour on, four hours off. Uh, that fuel goes exp lasts exponentially longer if obviously if you're not running it 24 seven. Um, talking about the natural gas, there, there's no guarantee that it will be there during a prolonged uh, outage especially if it's an incredibly large outage like the big one we had. Um, I don't know what, what year was that? 2001, 2002, somewhere, I think. Um, so <laughs> I, I asked I asked a friend of mine who actually works for um, a large gas corporation, and he actually works in their pumping division. And his answer, I asked him, you know, about what the storage was and what the, so his answer was, um, where I work, and like I said, he he's part of the pumping part of it. He said uh, the Achilles heel is the old power generation equipment. Uh, he says, if it works, we can run indefinitely. Uh, that's for the major, the big um, pumping, um, big pipelines. Uh, he says, remote stations and gate stations, and then he puts in quotes, at each city, rely on a UPS battery backup that gives them about 48 hours. Then we would need portable generators. So after 48 hours, we need gasoline and manpower to keep it going city by city. So um, to me, Learn that's, new that's every day. is about 48 hours. So you would yeah, have, so you would, you would have a, a confirmed 48 hours. And after that, depending on, the availability of how obviously how big the outage is, where it is, um, all of that. Um, I did when I, I'll, I'll talk about it a bit. Uh, no, actually, I mentioned it in my um, my news article there about the 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 U.S. well the power grid itself uh, in a very cold winter and all of that. And part of the problem was that um, they were having issues with the natural gas and running out of natural gas, not having enough. So as the power went out, they lost generation because they lost natural gas. So that even took more stations offline. And it was just a humongous, big cascading effect that that caused it. So there seems to be a lot of people out there who think, okay, I've got natural gas. It'll run forever. Don't bet on it. Uh, like anything, you know, I would say if, you know, two days, 48 hours, you know, if it's localized, they can probably bring in generators and run it indefinitely. But if it's a, a huge outage, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be saying you'd get more than about 48 hours of natural gas. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. Cause I was watching uh, that, uh, not that this is the world's best, uh, you know, re reference point, but I was watching that uh, one episode of the last of us, that season one there. And it has, it's, it's referred to as the gay prepper episode, but anyway, <laughs> The, uh, but there's five minutes where Nick Offerman um, is starting from the beginning of the, the, the crisis to 10 years into it. And the first five minutes is prepper Gloria, Gloria at its best because he um, he starts off with like trying to hide so he doesn't get abducted by the man. And then he goes off and uh, the first thing that happens is he's in Home Depot waiting for supplies and the power goes out. And it's only like a day into the, the emergency. He's like, oh, that was faster than I thought it happened. <laughs> it's just because immediately the power goes out. He has to go to the natural gas plant and manually turn some valves on to get the natural gas flowing to his particular neighborhood. And I was like, well, that's very interesting. They touched on that. It was kind of uh, timely. I just watched that last week. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so like it, it's not, it doesn't expect to stay on, it seems, uh, as long as everybody thought. But because uh, I was told a couple weeks, even with the fireplaces and stuff, you'd be able to get a couple weeks out of them, but uh, not so much. And then um, 
The other thing I was going to say there too, I guess that's another benefit to having a uh, giant big propane tank in your backyard. Like remember the old trailer parks used to have the big, you know, hot dog shaped propane tanks. They call them the pigs or whatever that are like, you know, 2000 pounds or whatever. I guess that's uh, even more a good reason to have something like that parked in your backyard. Well, and, and that was another thing I was going to say is if you live somewhere with no natural gas and you want one of those big generators, uh, not only are you paying for the generator and the pad and the wiring and all that, now you're going to have to get that big propane tank brought in. You're going to have to get it filled um, on a, on a, a routine basis. Uh, I don't know how long that, that propane would last with one of those big generators. I, I would imagine it would last a while, but um, yeah, now you're, now you're into, you know, having that, that propane tank, getting it plumbed into the generator, um, which is, you know, it, it just, the, the cost just keeps going up. Again, I'm not saying to anybody that that's not a good thing to have. Would I love to have it? Absolutely. Um, but I, I just, I just can't, I just can't justify it for, for the cost right now. So when I had um, a furnace put into this house last year, I asked the, and it's a propane furnace. I asked the guys doing the install, how much would it cost me to put a, a T into my propane line running down the side of the house from the tank to where it enters the house to go to the furnace and the hot water tank that's down there. How much would it be to put a T in for a, uh, um, like the, the, the nipple, like a uh, um, air compressor hoses, whatnot, to yeah, have you hook quick, them up. The quick connect. Quick connect. That's what I was looking for. How much would it cost for a tea and a quick connect to go to my propane barbecue outside? Anybody want to take a guess? $450. Holy. <laughs> nah, I'll keep going to the exchange and use my little tanks. Thanks. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that, so you know that's that's a lot of things to you know to kind of kind of think about and um, I like I said I I for my position uh, Terry's position as well sounds like maybe Brad's interested that um, the Generlink thing sounds sounds like it's going to be what I'm going to need up my alley um, I do have also uh, what I run with right now is a through the wall system. Brad talked about so you have a, a small box on the outside you plug your cord into it it goes through the wall and on the inside of your wall you have six um, regular plug outlets the only problem there is you're limited to 110 and um, you're still running extension cords to whatever whatever it is that you want to power if you've got something um, that is hardwired in most Water pumps are hardwired in. Most furnace um, fans are hardwired in. So you're not going to be able to just run an extension cord and plug into it and make it operate unless you convert it to a plug-in system. Um, so that that for me is one of the, the good bonuses of, of the Generlink. Um like I say, everything has its its downfalls and its and its pros and cons. And um, but for me, uh, what I'm what I'm looking to do that that would fit my needs the most. Um, obviously, if you're going to go, you need to understand if you're going to go the Generlink system, um, you're going to need a generator big enough to uh, power some things, um, and it has to have a 220 uh, Link. Um, where you, you plug your cord in, it's 220. You can't have it just running one half of a phase. It has to run both phases. Um, so you have to have a generator big enough. Mostly, uh, I'm going to say you're probably going to have to be looking at 5,000 watts and up for something that runs 220. Uh, the one, that generator that I picked up, the Screaming Demon, as Ian calls it, <laughs> that I picked up for super cheap is a 6,500, and it has 220 on it. So... Nice. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's another thing to to look at. The through the wall kit still does uh, just 110. Uh, I run it off of my 3,000 watt inverter. So um, so the nice thing about that Reliance through the wall system that you and I have, Jeff, you can leave it 
at the house. You could dig it out if you wanted to, but you could leave it at the house. You're not out a huge amount of money. No, they're only uh, what I paid one one twenty nine, I think, for mine or something. If that even, I can't remember. I think but, mine yeah. was one forty, but yeah, it's somewhere right around that ballpark. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, it's not stupidly expensive. No, so, no, and it's it, it's perfectly worth worth its weight in gold for, like you said, snowstorm. You're not running running um, or power outages. You're not running extension cords through the window. You're just pushing them around your house. The Generlink, the Generlink, I like because, well, I I like it because yeah, you're you're just hooking up main power or sorry, alternate power to your main meter. And then running your house like normal if you're if your generator can handle it. The downside to that is if I move, I've got to call hydro in to come and disconnect it. Yep. But I, I'm willing to pay that cost for them to come in and disconnect it, or they can add it to my monthly bill or whatever. But then I know that it's been done right, and I can set up a, another time for them to come and hook it to my new house, and I still yep. have it. Maybe Jeremy can enlighten us on this one, but my understanding was and is that you're allowed one free hydro disconnect visit a year. So that basically covers our installation here now. And if next year we decided to move, then technically I guess I could call them and, and do it again. Then I may have to pay at the new location. You know, I don't know. It just depends on where you go. But the other thing that's uh, interesting about you know the Generlink and the and the and the portable generator system is all right. So if you if you got to leave town for whatever the reason, you can take your generator with you, right? So I got my little trailer. I can take my generator out of my box and I can throw it in the back of my pickup with my trailer and off I go. Whereas if you got a Generac, you're not going to do that. You're going to need another generator. So this enables yep. you to use one generator for two things. Some lunatics like myself have two generators anyway, but. You know, but it, it's you can take it with you can take the generator with you if you gotta leave town or if you want to go camping for a few days or whatever too. So, so yeah, so Jared Janot brings up a, a question. Uh, they're asking Generlink is that the one that plugs into your meter box? Yes, that's the one. Uh, and they say for some reason that's frowned upon by almost all the power companies in the U.S. From what I've heard, um, I don't know why they would frown on it except for the fact that. They don't want you to have an alternate way to um, to provide power to your house. Uh, they want to think that they're the full in control and they're the only ones, and you have to rely on them. And um, it's lost revenue. Yeah, I, don't them, right? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I I wouldn't doubt they would frown on it, but if uh, I'd like to, she says or he says that I, I'd like to have that, I would do it. Just go ahead and do it. They may frown upon it, but they can't stop you from doing it. Is my understanding. Uh, just a note on that one. I'm uh, I'm led to believe, and somebody please correct me if I'm wrong. In Quebec, they are illegal. You cannot use them. Why does that not surprise me? I, I was going to say absolutely. the same thing. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? Yeah, I mean, they, they also bad wood stoves too. So what are you going to do, right? And 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 just, and as I mentioned in the last podcast, they're now. Uh, as of next year, they're uh, they're banning natural gas into new buildings. So no no gas stoves, no gas water heaters, no gas furnaces. No, they want everything electric. Which I don't which get it. Means but. they should be going red right on that grid warning article here by next year too. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Um, RIP asks a uh, uh, sort of related question or unrelated. Does anybody know how much gasoline you're allowed to store on your property? I've heard in a residential neighborhood, it's a hundred liters to no limit. I would I say, have, uh, where do you honest, live? Yeah, it depends where you live. Uh, there may be bylaws. There may not be. I'm not aware of any. Nobody's ever made anything to me. Um, I have uh, five, five or six, one, two, three. No, I have six 20 liter fuel containers that I keep full at any given time. So... Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not aware of it. You would have to probably contact your local bylaw or, and I'm not saying you do this or just play dumb and it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. You want to open up that can of worms maybe. But also you don't like a 
you know, I'll call them urban acreages, like, you know, the five liter sub or five liter, five acre subdivisions and stuff. You'll still see the, like the farm tank on stilts. That's got like, you know, the, the 200 gallon tank up there and they've got diesel or, or gas up there for the snowmobiles or the tractors or whatever. So, I mean, it's not, it, it can't be that uncommon to have more than, you know, six jerry cans on board. So I can't imagine unless you're in the middle of the city. Yeah, I know condos and stuff certainly have limitations. <laughs> you know, not supposed to have jerry cans in a condo. I get that. Um, but yeah, I think if you're in your own standalone house, I think you're fine. Yeah. And but Jeremy does say legal uh, yes, yes to the free disconnect. So, um, yeah, I think Jeremy's on board too. Yep. So, yeah, uh, electric is easy to turn off and control the population. Well, it, I find it interesting how how much they're pushing for everything to go electric, including heat pumps now, as the latest. Uh, green in initiative by the, the the current regime and seeing as they can't even like power cars right now i don't know how they're going to expect to heat every house with heat pumps as well yeah, but i took mine out two years ago well so it's the old argument it was this is like five years ago even you know we were switching from compact fluorescents to leds in the house because the grid couldn't handle the increased load so we had to go switch over to leds to, to protect the fragile grid and now we're running a bunch of cars and heat pumps because the grid's perfectly cool and they haven't done any changes, but they've added a half a million people a year. So, I mean, yeah. you, you can't tell me that the grid is that much more robust that like four or two million people later from four years ago, uh, the grid is able to handle that much more. I mean, come on. So Not unless they've done major uh, upgrades. Which I don't see a whole lot of substations being built. I don't know about you guys. Or... Nope. Uh, Every one so thing often. That, that, yeah, one thing that Dave, uh, Dave mentioned and I'll... I'll I'll talk about that quick. He says, perhaps it's frowned upon because some people might try to hook it up themselves and create a reverse flow and fry the connection at the pole. Uh, Genderlink has a built-in disconnect. So as soon as you um, connect up to the Genderlink, um, it disconnects from the main feed. So you are not back feeding the grid. Um, that is incredibly dangerous. As Dave says, the reverse flow uh, the last thing you want to do is uh, kill a a line a hydro lineman who's trying to hook you back up because you have backfed the grid. Um, don't do something on your own that's going to put somebody else's life in danger. Um, the Generlinks have that that system built in that it it automatically clicks on, prevents uh, backfeed or reverse flow, however you want to word it, uh, stops it from happening. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't say that enough. Don't do stuff on your own unless you absolutely 100% know what you're doing because you could find yourself being held liable if you cause injury to somebody. So, um, as much as sometimes we, we don't like the way that government does things, uh, I'm not going to argue with, uh, with anybody on that one. Just don't do it. Okay. What do you mean? Sometimes we don't agree with what the government does <laughs> <laughs> on that yeah. note. Phil's trying to trigger me here right now. For this is this good, getting me pumped up for tomorrow night because he mentions free heat pumps being offered <laughs> by the government. Well, nothing in this country is free, as we know, when it's supplied by the government. It's paid for with tax money, which is you know stolen from people with the implied threat of force from a social contract we didn't sign on and we can't opt out of. So, anyways, yeah, that's my rant for the day. Before I go, <laughs> yep, <laughs> ah, yeah. Anyway, uh, get a transfer switch. Isolates property 100%. Yeah, if you can get a big ka-chunk, chunk, you know, uh, pro uh, yep. isolator, like transfer switch, that'd be ideal too. But it, it would be, but again, that 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 relies on you flicking the switch. Whereas with the Generac, you just plug it in, it automatically does it. Um, again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, um, but again, you know, that, that transfer switch relies on you to to manually uh, turn it off. And if you don't, again, you're back feeding into the grid. So, um, awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, and, any... and now Ian's banned from YouTube. <laughs> that train has sailed, my friend. <laughs> well, actually, I, I suppose I'm still good on YouTube for now, but yeah. So, yeah. Um, any. Anybody else have any questions, comments, things I I 
kind of maybe haven't covered you want me to cover a little bit um you know like like any like anything if you've got these kind of generators you must do your proper maintenance make sure that you change the oils um if it's a gas generator make sure that um you've got decent fuel in it um all the time don't leave fuel in it for two years and expect that when you need it and you pull it over that it's going to start because it's not going to start. Um, you know, these, these aren't things that you, that are just set it and forget it kind of things. Um, they still require maintenance. They still require you to do your, your, your proper, um, your proper work on them. So, you know, no matter, no matter which one you have, do your, do your proper maintenance on them. Well, even the carburetor, I mean, if it gets gummed up or there's a diaphragm that, that gets uh, hardened up from lack of uh, fuel lubrication stuff, that's that's the end of your whole generator right then there, right? So, yeah, like you said, proper maintenance is key. Yep. Stable well, link, like, uh, um, stabilizer, fuel stabilizer. Yeah. Even, uh, even uh, gas. gas line antifreeze. Get yourself some. Put some in it if you know you're going to have a power outage. You never know how long it's going to take for the power to come back or like Jeff said cycle your generator make sure it doesn't freeze up in the lines throw some in there cool uh, is that it guys or should we move on or um, I, I I think I've I've covered everything if anybody else doesn't have any more questions um, yeah I'm, right. Jeremy confirms that uh, premium gas just because uh, I heard that they're starting to put ethanol premium now too. So I mean, yeah, because ethanol sucks. Yes. Yeah, ethanol does suck. Anyways, uh, podcast challenge. Before I bow out for the evening myself, um, free item to do for the podcast challenge uh, for the people that don't have generators. Uh, go around to your house and figure out how much you need in the way of uh, wattage requirements for your generator system. Obviously, you're going to pay by the watt. The larger the generator, the more money it's going to cost. So if you go around and figure out how many LEDs or how many heat, uh, heaters you want to run or blenders for your margaritas during the apocalypse or whatever, I mean, <laughs> yeah, let's figure out how many, wattage, uh, how many watts you're going to need. Uh, even if just it's a quick napkin math, um, at least I'll give you an idea of how much it's going to cost. It doesn't cost you anything to do right now. And maybe think about a, a way to, to reduce the wattage requirements during a power outage, like switching over to LED bulbs or switching, maybe get rid of that extra freezer or the extra bar fridge you got running or whatever. Um, even if it's just adding some insulation, so you have to uh, run the heater less. I mean, just something you can do to uh, reduce your power requirements during a, a down time anyway. So just a thought. Anyways, with that note, guys, I'm going to bow out, but uh, Jeff, you can kick me off if you don't mind, and uh, good evening. All right. Um, you know what? Let me see if I can kick you in out here. I think I can. <laughs> there we uh, go. I just there wanted to add, but with what Ian mentioned, I... Bought off of Amazon for about fifty dollars a, a little meter called a kilowatt, and you plug your plug into that and plug it into your outlet, and it'll tell you how much yep. wattage your appliance is using, and you can leave it on over a twenty-four hour period and see how many watts it uses over a twenty-four hour period. I was going to hang it up here to show it, but I think I left it out in the garage, so I don't have it to show it. But it's just called kilowatt, and and there's probably several other brands out there, but I picked this one on Amazon for about fifty bucks. I remember correctly. Yep. I got one years and years ago, actually at a garage sale, and I picked it up. Same kind of looked at it, going, what the heck is this? Asked the guy what it's for, told me what it does. Sweet. I'll buy that. It was 25 bucks. There's been a bunch of things in different places that I've lived that I've used it for, and I think I know where it is here, and that's something I should be bringing out to uh, – to have ready in case someone needs it and to test my own stuff here as well. That, okay, that's how much I'm actually using. Cause I'd love to get one of those Generlakes and put it on. And I'd like to know how much the things I want to run are pulling. So I know, like you said before, how many, how many switches I need to turn off to not run them in the house and my generator will actually be able to push it. So there'll be something yep. good to, uh, to pull out and they're worth it. Oh Yeah. So with that, uh, I'll move on to my quick weather blurb. Um, things have been fairly calm this last week, except for out on the West Coast, as Ian uh, mentioned before, they experienced an atmospheric river. Uh, they got a bunch of heavy rain. There was some flooding places like Seattle and Portland and 
uh, had some some high winds. Um, but having said that, there's no signs of any Atlantic or Pacific storms developing in the next week. Uh, the convective outlook, um, which basically tells you the potential for a storm. We all know convection uh, helps create the, the, the storms and everything. Um, is basically clear for all of North America for the next six to eight days. So it doesn't look like we're going to be in for anything. Of course, that can change. Always keep your eye on the weather. Uh, but uh, that being said, I'm, I'm not seeing anything that's that's popping up or grabbing my attention. Uh, of course, long range, they're still projecting. Take that with a grain of salt or more than a grain of salt, maybe a pound or 10 pounds or whatever. Uh, that they're still projecting a cold and snowy winter for the Great Lakes in the Northeast. So, um, again, whatever you want to do, keep that in mind. So, um, with that, um, move on to deal of the week. It was kind of Ian's thing, but Brad, do you want to run with that if you don't mind? I could do that. The deal of the week is the uh, Hornady ELDX or M projectiles, 20% off at Cabela's. And Ian puts in here that he's never seen them that low. So I guess uh, for those that can, stack them deep. Well, it's cheap. I'll uh, throw a, a link into the uh, the show notes there for that in a second. Um, Something to... Uh, also... nope, sorry, not, not, not for a deal of the week, but before we close off here, as we were talking, I kept trying to search up what the limit is what the bylaw limit is or, or just legal laws, whatnot limit is for storing fuel at home. Um, everything I'm coming across from BC to Newfoundland is 30 liters in an attached garage. And you can store more in a detached garage or shed, but the national fire code, national fire chiefs association or something around there had said that they recommend 30 liters as a maximum just so we know. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that's not going to happen for me. So, Oh, hell no. I got four cans full in the back. That's 80 liters. I ain't, I ain't doing no 30-liter crap. I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, Terry has more. Pardon? <laughs> Terry has more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> without, without saying... Um, no, 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 I'm not saying I got a, I got a little bit. So, uh, anybody got any shout outs? I know Ian put one in here. Of course he's gone, uh, for Spencer at Advent Arms Corporation. Uh, he's a newly established gunsmith and custom fireworks or custom firearms work. He's in Coombs, BC, uh, adventarms.ca or his email is Spencer at Advent. <laughs> Why am I having such a hard time with this one? I haven't even had anything to drink tonight. Adventarms.com. So if you want to, uh, I'm not sure why his website is a CA and his email is a com, but I won't comment further on that. Um, just a quick um, email or iTunes review. We had an email from Paul. I don't think we can address it tonight. Eric is not here. Um, he uh, was looking for battery packs for... Radio Shack, VHF, FM transceiver, HXT220, and he needs battery packs. Um, I think we'll leave that one off until the next um, the next episode or when Eric's back, he can potentially address that because I can't help him there. Uh, so with that, I'm going to bring episode uh, 222 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. You can find the audio podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please submit a review. It uh, games the system and, <laughs> or the algorithm, and it does help people find us. And we record these shows live on YouTube and Facebook if you have to. If you want an early peek at the show, uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast. Click the notifications tab. It gives you an alert when we are going live. You can contact me at batbradcpp at gmail.com. And on the Discord. You are muted, Terry. I'm sorry. I did. I was <laughs> unmuted at first. Okay, sorry. You can 
You can reach me on the annual Preppers Meet Facebook page or at my email at terryllblackmore at hotmail.com. And if anybody wants to reach out to Ian, considering he bailed, uh, he can, you can email him at the Island Retreat at gmail.com or you can find him uh, Monday nights on the Canadian Patriot podcast, the other CPP. Um, he's also on their Gilded app for that because he's banned everywhere else. Um, <laughs> so uh, thanks for joining us. So until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. <laughs>